turn to the book of Psalms, starting with Psalm 1. We will look at Psalm 1. Praise God. This was a passage of scripture several years ago that we recited every Bible class, every chapel, we would run through this psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 1. I want to title this, um, The Bookends. So this morning will be The Bookends number 1. The book ends number one. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the people of God that have ushered in today your ability to minister in this house and an openness to receive that and do that. We pray that you would direct us today, guide us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The book ends number one. The reason I'm calling it the book ends is because when you look at the Psalms as a whole, Psalms very, very fascinating in terms of its application because it is the words of people, the psalmist and many others, the Psalms are written by a myriad of people. Uh, there's some by Solomon, it's not only just David, uh, they're the sons of Asaph and there's there's a, it's a collection of songs that come out of the life of the people. And so there's songs, there's, there's praise, there's lamentation, which means things are not going right. And so in some ways in your prayer, uh, you're lamenting these things to God. You want something to change. So there's songs of lamentation. There's psalms of repentance. Today's word shot was a uh, some verses from a psalm of repentance. They're psalms of praise. And all of these are things that are given to God that then God responds to and then they become God's word to us. And so they have a, a very, very important place in the life of people who are trying to serve God and build on their faith. Some people may not have uh, a developed prayer language. Now, when you start talking about things like that, sometimes people get a little nervous because there are particular elements of Christianity that have taken some things way, way too far in some of these things. And so even that phrase sounds um, a little unnerving. But if you want prayer language, it is something that you build in your life. It is really, prayer is something that you bring yourself to God, but it also becomes a skill. You have to have 
You have to have the vocabulary. You have to have the words to express to God. Sometimes when people are coming to God, they don't know what to say. This is all new to them. They have nothing to build on, and so there's no skill set. There's no prayer language. This is why it's very, very important when God moves, just like he moved in this place here today, that we get with people. And sometimes people are trying to press through. They're trying to make themselves known to God, and they're wanting to respond to what they're feeling and sometimes it becomes important on our part to help them with what to say. doesn't mean you're praying for them, but you're giving to them words of encouragement. And in those words of encouragement, they can incorporate those words into their prayer. Many times you can lead a person through repentance by repenting with them. You can lead them to encouragement by praying prayers of encouragement with them. And so the Psalms are extremely important because this is where you can get a lot of language to, from which to pray to God. There's much, much that can be found here. I wouldn't suggest going to some other places. There's some good verses in Revelation, but Revelation may not be the place to build some prayer language. You're praying to God in seals and monsters and four-headed beasts and all these kind of things. That may not make a whole lot of sense. But you can pray, my soul, why art thou disquieted? Lord, I want a change in my life. I want a direction in my life. And from these psalms, you can pick up words and phrases and language that become very, very powerful when you express that to God. And so the Psalms have a very, very important place in the Scripture and certainly in worship and certainly in praise and worship in prayer. Uh, there's lamentation. Some people get very nervous when you talk about lamentation because you should not be able to express yourself like this before God because wouldn't God be upset with somebody that is disrespecting who he is? But if you read some of these psalms, you're going to find that some of these people feel like God has walked away from them, that God is not responding to them. And so they charge God. Why is it that you're not responding? Why is it that you're not hearing my voice. And it gives the individual an opportunity. God's big enough to handle it. And so there's some things there's no answers for. There's only feelings of frustration. I'm thankful that I can bring my frustration to the house of God and to an altar rather than turning to other coping mechanisms and vices in the world. Hey, when you come to the house of God, you can bring the good times and you can bring the bad times. And God's the God of the good times and the bad times. He's God of the mountain. He's God of the valley. And he's God of everything else in between. And you can bring that to him. And he'll respond to you in those times of need and difficulties. So the Psalms are extremely important. And the Psalms are bookended by Psalm 1 and Psalm 150. So today we're looking at book in 1, which is Psalm number 1. There are some things in which there are some very, very clear beginnings and endings to everything that is said in between. There's something in the beginning that anchors you <clears throat> to something that is firm and that is steadfast. And then the book in on the other side of that uh, collection 
of things written to God is also something that is very important as well. And so it's, it's much like a library. You have a library and you have things that are holding the books together. You have a bookend one and you have a bookend two. And so today we're looking at bookend number one, which is Psalm number one. And so there's going to be something that is very emphatic that is stated in Psalm one. Let me just uh, say what is in between. I've already touched on it a little bit, but what is in between are a lot of Psalms that talk about things that are oriented. There's an individual by the name of Walter Brueggemann that put together a kind of understanding about the Psalms. It's very, very powerful when you read the Psalms. There are Psalms of orientation, and they match phases of life. The Psalms of orientation, everything is going right, and you read some Psalms, and you will find that all is well. Psalm number 8 would be a great example of that. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou worst Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger? When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. These are psalms of orientation because the avenger is going to be stilled. And God is a creator that has put all things together perfectly. Everything is excellent, O Lord, our Lord. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. These are psalms of orientation. Things are going well in this particular case and in life. And in life, sometimes things go very, very well. There are times when everything is going well. And there are also times when it seems like nothing is going well and everything is turned upside down. Those are the lamentations. And so in those cases, it is periods of disorientation. This is something that we need to instruct and we need to teach. We do not need to teach our children and our young people that they are going to someday face something and they better be ready for it. We need to teach them that these are just the patterns of life. This is what life is, and everybody is going to deal with those things. You're not exempt from it. You're going to have some great times, and you're going to have some not-so-great times. But the key ingredient is what's walking with you through the good times and the bad times. I need the Spirit of God in my life. I need the Holy Ghost of God in my life. If that is going to be a fact, and it is a fact, and if that is going to be true, and it is true, then I want to make sure that in all those situations that God is walking with me and I'm in the right place and I'm doing the will of God. I don't want to be somewhere outside of his presence, outside of his ability, outside of his anointing. I want to be in the will of God and in his anointing. And so when they come, I recognize it. I understand this is life. This is what it is. But God will never leave you, will, nor will he ever forsake you. So when when difficult times come, when you're battling and struggling with grief and heartache and hardship and loss and suffering and everything else that goes with it, know this, God's still the God of the songs. 
He's still the God of the Psalms. So disorientation many times, and man, there's all kinds of disorientation. Children, uh, expectations in life, uh, health, uh, the, the, there's a gamut of them. And you read through many of these Psalms, you find out that the psalmist is upset because they're enemies that trouble him. They're trailing him. They're trying to destroy him. So it's disorienting. And then you will also find in the same group of songs, you will find that God takes somehow that cycle of when things are going great and then they, they peel off into when things are not going so great. Uh, there's a reorientation that always occurs. And, and so God has built within the framework of life and in the life of the church that if I am not oriented right now and I'm disoriented, there's a new day coming because God's going to reorient some things. I want to say this emphatically here in this place today. If that's what you feel like and you feel like you're in that place, know this. God's a God that knows how to reorient everything that I'm going through and turn everything around and produce the solid footing and foundation that I need because sometimes we don't feel settled. We feel unsettled. And yet God knows how to reorient those things and change those things. Praise God. His anointing and his presence will do that in the house of God if you'll allow it. If you don't check out and walk away, I'm telling you, people do check out and they walk away. And what they turn to is worse. They turn to coping mechanisms that's more dysfunctional. That is more difficult. That causes more unsettling in their life. I'd stay in the house of God. I'd be anchored in the house of God. It occurs to everybody. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. The difference is God's walking with you. God is with you. And he said, I won't leave you. And I won't forsake you. Praise God. And so you have bookend number one is not really any of that kind of stuff. And neither is bookend number two, which is Psalm 150. Bookend number one is kind of a foundation piece or an anchor piece that is established at the very beginning. And the writer begins by saying, blessed is the man. Some translations have said, happy is the man. I think that's, I think that's a miscue because there's a big difference between blessed and happy. Happy is more of an emotion, yes? And the emotion of happiness I'm not always happy. I'll just be real honest with you. <laughs> some days I am, but some days I'm not too happy. Anybody ever been there? I don't know anybody that walks around happy 365 days of the year. If they are, something's wrong with them. Uh, <laughs> something's awry. Some days I'm not happy. But I'll tell you this, there may be days that I'm unhappy, but I can still raise my hand up and say, you know what? I'm blessed. I am not happy about things, but I want to say I'm blessed. God has blessed me. And so the psalmist begins and he says, blessed is the man, the individual, the man or the woman, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It's the world's business to be a 
scorner. It's the world's business to be a sinner, and it's the world's business to be an ungodly person. And the psalmist said, blessed is the man that does not walk in that trajectory. It's not going that way. I'm thankful for the church. I know there's a lot of voices out there. I'm thankful for a clear sound in the house of God that says we're going a particular direction. It may not be popular, but we didn't come to this thing because of popularity. We came to this thing because of salvation. And so if it's what saves me, it doesn't matter if it's popular or not. You look at the disciples in the early church, they were not popular individuals, but they were people of power and anointing and strength and ability. And the writer said, that man is blessed, but is not carried off in these kind of things. Make sure you're not standing in the way of sinners. Make sure that you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly or you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. But make sure that you're doing the opposite of all of those things. You are a blessed individual because you're not doing those things. But you are bringing sinners to the house of God. But you are encouraging people instead of scorning them. But you are providing counsel that is not backbiting and gossip and everything else, but it is a counsel from the word of God of strength and anointing. That individual is a blessed person. And then he goes on to say, he anchors it in verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He's connecting this to the law, which is also directly connected to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your... And then he describes the practice of understanding and knowing what the identity is. The psalmist here said, Blessed is the man that is anchored in the law. What, what he's talking about is the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible which was the anchor to the Hebrews in their early existence and in their development. So the writer is talking about God's law. Later, it becomes more than just the five books, but it also includes the Psalms, the writings, the wisdom books, and the prophetic books. And so initially, it's talking about the Torah, but in general, it's talking about the Word of God, anchoring myself in the Word of God. I'm going to meditate on the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with meditation. Somebody... Uh, says, well, I meditate and people run because they think they're talking about Eastern meditation. A meditation of the scripture is not opening your mind and, and, and trying to remove everything out of your mind and dig deep in yourself to find out what is there. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to do that because I don't want to see what's there. I, I'd rather stay away from that because we're all, all in carnality and you dig deep in yourself, you're going to find some things that you wish weren't there. Rather, I'm going to meditate on the scripture, which means I'm going to put it in my mind and in my heart and I'm going to think about the scripture and I'm going to reflect on the scripture. I'm going to be not transformed to this world, but be you renewed by the renewing of your mind that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm thinking on those things. And so the writer of this particular book in of Psalms is saying you're a blessed individual if it is anchored to the Torah or if I could say you're anchored to the word of God. This is 
what is going to make you blessed. A blessed individual has a foundation, and the foundation is in the Word of God, in the strength of God. This is why memorizing is important. This is why meditating on the Word of God is important. This is why teaching is important. This is why preaching is important, because it's based on the Word of God. And when the Word of God is preached, even though it's by the foolishness of preaching, it builds faith. builds faith in the hearers that are listening the word of God if we get away from the word of God and we're just up here providing motivational inspirational kind of stuff that came from somewhere or something but it's not anchored in the word of God we have done everybody that's sitting on church pews a disservice well my opinion listen it's not my opinion I got to get into the word of God I got to know what the scripture is saying. This is the doctrine. This is the anchor. This is what the writer is saying in Psalms that makes a blessed individual. Before you even go into all the other Psalms, the orientation, the disorientation, and the reorientation and everything else, the first bookend that you come to, into contact with is you got to be anchored in the word of God. You got to rest in the in the word of God. You got to be established in the word of God. And if you are, you are a blessed individual. And then he goes on to say, verse number three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper going to be a prospering how why because he's like a tree the man that is connected to the word of God is much in illustrative nature like a tree that's planted next to rivers of water and so there's always a supply there's something to draw from this is what the word of God is for us and this book in number one before you get into orientation good times bad times and and then a reorientation, there's something that has to anchor you. And what anchors me? What anchors me is the word of God. I'm meditating upon it. And it makes me like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so when difficulties come my way, I mean, this is so uh, symbolic. When difficulties come my way, when drought comes, there's, there's a reservoir from which the root system can draw from. And so things on the surface may look really, really bad and dry, but underneath the surface, there is a root system that has a water supply. And so there is still a tree and there is still fruit that comes forth on the tree, no matter what it looks like around you. We may live in a desert world, but there's a tree because there's a root system and there's a water supply. And it's no accident that the water supply in this verse can be connected to the Holy Ghost because he said in his word the Holy Ghost will come up out of your belly like wells of living water and so there is a supply where do I get that supply from from the word of God it becomes my strength it becomes my anchor and it's what makes me blessed of God blessed of God the description of those that are not like that particular individual are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. That's a, a term that is used in winnowing. Winnowing, that would be in beating out the grain. 
And so in harvesting, you would harvest the stalks, the head of the, the grain stalk. You'd get together and you would beat it and you would separate it. You're trying to separate the grain from the chaff, which is the stalk. It's the things that you cannot use. It's worthless. And so you've got to separate what is good from what is not good. And so you would uh, beat it, and then you would find a place. Typically, you would find an elevated place where there is a wind that is blowing. This is one of the reasons why Gideon, it's ironic, because the, Amid the Midianites have so oppressed the land that Gideon is in a wine press, and he's trying to winnow. And, and, and this is where the angel speaks to him, calls him a mighty man of valor when he's in a hole trying to do what you would normally do in an elevated position. Fling it up into the air, and when you fling it up into the air, the wind, the crosswind, would blow all the chaff because it's lighter, it doesn't weigh as much, as the grain, and the grain would fall and the chaff would blow away. And the writer is saying here, that is like an ungodly person, they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. It's like the chaff. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in this building here today, in the service that we had, in the move of God that we had, I want you to know that God knows exactly where you are. And today was a testament to that. I may not know, but God knows. Somebody sitting next to you may not know, but God knows. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. You say, well, I'm really not where I need to be. Well, if you're in the house of God and God came down and he, he, he made an opportunity for you today, you have opportunity to be a righteous individual who is a blessed individual. Let me encourage you to say, God, I thank you for wanting to know and knowing where I am and responding to me. Somebody needs to clap your hand and thank the Lord that God is still reaching, 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 whatever your situation is today, God can respond to that. Praise God. Make a change. Make a change. Make a change. Break away from some things. Writer says in book end number one, a blessed individual is an individual that anchors their life on the word of God. Brenda McAllister, if you come this morning, it's the individual that puts their trust and confidence in the word of God and meditates in that word. Praise God. That is so very, very connected to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4 that we, we like to quote but then also the verses that follow that particular passage of Scripture not only talks about the identity, but it talks about the praxis or the practice. You cannot remove the identity and what you say you are from the practice or the praxis of what you say. If that chasm gets too far to, apart, then it becomes confusing and inconsistent. A psalmist is saying, a blessed man is an individual that brings those two worlds together. And there's, there, there, might, be a, there might be a small gap, right? It may fluctuate because Paul said, 
I have not yet attained. I'm striving for it. He said, I'm not perfect, but I'm, that's the rule. I'm striving for perfection. And so the gap between what I say and what I do, Paul says, it becomes a, it becomes a discipline to make sure that that gap is as close to Does that make sense? Everybody listen to what I'm saying here this morning. If I'm saying something and I'm not doing it, it's, there's a huge gap. You see that? And all of us have been around people that can talk, but they don't do. And they're, they're really frustrating individuals, right? And you will discount and marginalize them because of that huge gap. I mean, this, this has so many, <laughs> this has so many uh, off roads and offshoots of it. In parenting, let's just take, take that for an example because we're doing a baby dedication here today. If, if you're telling them to do something, but you're not living what you're telling them to do, there's a big gap. And so when they observe that throughout their life, at some point, they're going to flat out rebel if there's a big gap because there's no consistency. See? And so if there's no consistency, why should I follow what is being said but what is not being done? And so what has to happen is I've, I've got to bring the gap together. Now, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Trying to bring it together as close as it can because I want what I say to match what I do because that's, that's where the consistency comes from. That's where the example is laid down. That's where the lifestyle is given. That's where the practice of saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then what should we do? You should teach it in your house when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down in every area of your life. What you're trying to do is you're trying to bring those two worlds together. You know what this does? And I hate this. I really hate this. You know what this does right here? It, gets a, it gives a lot of firepower for scorners and mockers and hypocrites because they will latch on to this and they will use this as, uh, they'll put it in a bazooka gun and blast at everybody because it's not matching up. And you hear this sometimes. But when, when you bring these, these two things together, not only what I say, what I do, the identity and the practice, I bring them together. Paul said, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. <laughs> Trying to bring that as close as I can together. When you do that, man, there is consistency, there's peace, there's clear-cut boundaries, and there's strength in boundaries. Praise God. Get up and go to church it's Sunday morning. Well, are you going? No, but you got to go. All right. Okay. <laughs> you think that's going to resonate? You think that's, that's going to work? Probably not. The psalmist said, in everything that you go through in life, you're going to have a lot of difficulties. But he said, bookend number one is you got to be anchored to the word. And it's connected to that identity that we're following the God of Israel, the Torah. We're following the word of God. We're not following other gods around you, the other gods and the other nations. We're not following after. We're following after God. And so follow after him. And not only say you are one of those Hebrews. Praise God. As we stand together this morning.
And as the family comes this morning, Trent and Amanda, if you'd come. Sister Jeremy will meet you down here.